Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to the Greater St. Stephen Missionary Baptist Church, coming to your homes live from Portland, Oregon. We are a people of worship, work, and prayer, ready to serve the Lord, ready to serve with the community, and ready to withstand the enemy. Thank you for choosing to worship with us today. It is our prayer that during our worship experience that your love for God will be intensified, your faith be stirred, your hands get to clapping, and your feet get to dancing. After this song of preparation, be prepared to join Pastor Kimberly K. Black and the Greater St. Stephen's Church family as we bless the Lord. Jesus. So, Lord God, we come by way of Jesus today. We come by way of Calvary. 
Father God, to come into the house one more time. Father God, we thank you, Lord God, that you woke us up in our right minds, Father God, so that we may worship you in spirit and in truth. We thank you, Father God, that for this worship experience, Father God. Like, Father God, we already feel your presence, Father God. Father God, just let it continue to fall afresh on us. Lord God, we ask for double portions, Father God, today. Lord God, we ask for that extra anointing today, Lord God. Father God, so that uh, when we leave here, Father God, Father God, that when we walk out those doors, Lord God, and get prepared for the week, Father God, we will be in your will and your will only, Father God, doing what you have called us to do, Lord God. Father God, that men and women and boys and young girls, Lord God, will see your spirit on us, Father God, and ask what we must do to be saved, Father God. 
We just thank you and we praise you, Lord God, for this worship experience. We thank you, Father God, that we will not leave the same way we walked in here today, Lord God. We thank you, Lord God, that because of your word, Lord God, and because your spirit is in this place, it will take place, Father God. We thank you, Father God, that minds will be regulated, Lord God, and hearts will be fixed, Father God. That deliverance will happen today, Lord God. Father God, we just thank you. We pray for that. We'll send your word to this. It does not return to you, Lord, Father God, but it completes it, Father God. We thank you and we praise you for our pastor, Lord God, the angel of this house. You have allowed her to see us every year, Lord God. We belong in you, Lord God. We thank you, Father God, for giving her the strength to put one foot in front of the other, Lord God. Father God, the work is heavy, Father God. We just thank you, Lord God, for meeting her at that need, Lord God, for strengthening her where she's weak, Lord God. Father God, for giving her that boldness, Lord God, to continue to do what you called her to do, Lord God. We thank you for opening the doors that you're opening for her right now in the mighty name of Jesus. Father God, that she shall walk with them, Lord God, and not be in fear, Lord God. Father God, she shall take her seat at tables that she never thought she would sit at, Lord God. Oh, in your word, Father God. Father God, we just thank you that she simplifies you, Lord God. Father God, she embodies the spirit, the gift of the spirit, Father God. We just thank you and we praise you, Lord God. We thank you and we praise you, Father God. We thank you, Lord God, that we are sold out for you on today, Lord God. We love you, Lord God, and we appreciate you, Lord God. Father God, we will lift our voices today, Lord God, to give you glory and honor and praise. Father God, if we had 10,000 tongues, we couldn't praise you enough, Lord God. So we just thank you and we praise you, Father God. Father God, we give you glory. We give you honor, Lord God. We thank you for the man, Father God, the man of God, Dr. Miller, Lord God, that's going to bring you more to God. We thank you, Lord God, that help us to be that you may increase, Father God. We thank you for the spiritual Glory, Father God. We thank you for the rain of work that's coming from this now, Father God. We thank you and we praise you today, Lord God. We thank you, Lord God. We thank you, Lord God. Saturate this place. Saturate it, Lord God. You are welcome here. We love you and we praise you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you all for joining us as we celebrate our 39th church anniversary. That is a long time. And just thank God for allowing us to make it this far. Praying that everyone feels blessed and is here and happy to fellowship and worship with us. Thank you all, and I hope you feel welcome. Amen. We stand before you to read 
those that have called and called my God here in this, this place, this sanctuary. I stand in the presence of Almighty God for the under-shepherds that God chose to place over his flock here at Greater St. Stephen from its formation until this very day. God has been and continues to be faithful as he watches over his people, and we give him the praise. The word says, and I will give you pastors according to my heart, who shall feed you with knowledge and understanding. That is coming from Jeremiah 3.15. God honors his word, and so that's why we stand on his word. The men and women of God, his lead servants here in this house of worship, founding pastor, the late A. Bernard Deaver the first. Hallelujah. 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 The late Robert Earl Houston Sr., hallelujah, hallelujah, 1989 to 1991. The late Reverend Gary L. Black, the first. Hallelujah. I came on to his ministry. Amen. 1996 to 2001, Reverend Victor D. Reynolds, 2002 to 2004, Reverend Pastor Kimberly Black. The angel of the house from 2005 till now. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. God is faithful. It is a blessed time. And you know what? If you don't mind, it is also our pastor's birthday. Hallelujah. God is good. So we've got double celebrations, double praise to God for who he is. And as I quote, we owe God another praise for his love, his kindness, and for this body of worshipers. Amen. May we continue to give him honor and glory for all he has done through these servants he has called to lead his people. We will always be grateful for his love and tender mercies to us, the body of Christ. And all God's people said, Amen. 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 Thank you, um, Sister Yolanda Mays, for that very warm, heartfelt welcome. Thank you. And to Elder Pastor Miniweather for going over our pastoral history and our present. Thank you very much. Amen. Amen. Well, now we've come to a time where everybody can stand up on their feet and use their voices, their hands, and their feet to help us sing this song. It is called I Command My Soul. Thank you. 
come to the part where I am going to say just a few more words, and then I'm going to sit down. Amen. Amen. So next, we will have our very own Elder Dante Farmer come and give us a two-minute exhortation on being a part of the true church. Then we will have our very own shepherd of the house, our pastor, our heart, our love, come stand before us and give her her pastoral observations. And she will also introduce our very own speaker for this morning. Amen. It has been a pleasure to stand before you to be a worship leader on our 39th church anniversary. Thank you so much. And everyone continue to be blessed throughout this worship experience. Amen. Elder Farmer is coming. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. It is an honor and blessing to be in the house of the Lord. I've been given two minutes. <laughs> I want to say happy 39th anniversary to Greater St. Stephen's Missionary Baptist Church. And knowing the great, rich history of this church, this is my fifth anniversary. And so this is a triple, you know what I mean? Happy anniversary. So today's exercise is going to come from the book of Ephesians, chapter 4, verses 1 through 6. I therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called. With all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love eager to maintain the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace. There is one body and one spirit. I'm going to say that again. There is one body and one spirit. Just as you were called to that one hope that belongs to your call, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. God has been with Greater St. Stephen's before Greater St. Stephen's was born. He created the new before it was born in the womb. And here we are 39 years later under who God called. This is the blessings of the church to continue to live in unity and a bond of peace. And we look forward to the greater saints being here another 39. Amen. Praise the Lord, everybody. Amen. Truly, this is the day that the Lord has made. Amen. And we will rejoice and be glad in it. I want to give honor to God today. You may take your seats. I want to give honor to God today. I, I want to be quick, but I don't want to forget anything. Um, I hope those of you that are taking notes, um, take notes because uh, this is a day of history. Um, because this, what I'm about to do, has never been done before. Um, in the history of Greater St. Stephen. Uh, when we had our family meeting, um, 
earlier this month after our 30 day, uh, 30 plus days of fasting. Um, the Lord had told us it's a new season and there's some things that we need to do to set some things in order. And um, one of the things that God told us to do was to appoint Elder Kathy Miniweather as our executive pastor. Elder, please come. Amen. She is no stranger to ministry. She is no stranger to the work. And so we honor God for her and what the Lord has assigned to her hands to do. We learn other people's um, lessons and trials and errors. And um, I, I don't, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not speaking anything on my life, but all things must be done decent and in order. And you must have order in the house of the Lord. We do not, we have not had an associate minister um, with that title and that responsibility before. And so today, um, I'm appointing Elder Dante Farmer as an associate minister at the Greater Saint Jesus Church. Is somebody taking pictures? Yeah, take pictures now. If something is to happen to me, and I am unable to communicate the next move of the church, the next voice is executive pastor and elder farmer. We only have one deacon, and he is unable to do that work but he can undergird them with his wisdom and his knowledge. So I want to honor Deacon Rafer Quinn and his absence on today. Amen. Come on, put your hands together and bless him. Thank you. I wanted to do that before us today on our 39th church anniversary. So we make sure that this goes in our records of history. So when we read it next year, come on now. Come on now. When we read it next year, we will have that included in our record. Amen. I got excited. I got excited because remember I told you we were praying one night and everybody kept talking about, everybody kept praying about bring back the choir, bring back the praise team. And the God said, bring back what you saw in Ephesians. So when I looked around and I saw Evangelist, Robert Hardaway come through the door. Back in the house. Amen. I said, God, you're stacking them, but you're stacking them. Because Bishop was here. Bishop was here. Pastor is here. Elsa is here. Evangelist is here. Peter is here. There's more teachers in the house. Teacher is here. There's more teachers. Teacher is here. But you know what Ephesians said? God said, in the house, these are the officers that, that I have in the house to equip the saints. So this is what I've been praying for, that we look like Ephesians. Not what we want to look like. I want to look like what the Word of God says we're supposed to look like. So when God's on time, it's all going to come together. I know it is. I know it is. 
I want to say thank you to everyone that worked to make yesterday a very wonderful, successful celebration out in the yard. I want to start with Elder Farmer and Sister Tanya because it was their work connecting outside of the church with Family Forward Oregon, Mental Health, and Addiction Association. Amen. That's where the books came from, and that's where them big fat hamburgers and hot links and hot dogs came from. Amen. So we're truly grateful. We want to make sure we get thank you cards sent out to them. Amaeus, which is an organization founded by our very own Elder Dante Farmer, he did his work. Elder Johnny Bradford with um, Jesus Ministry on the Road, amen, um, provided us with the food boxes, amen. He had 100. He gave them all the way yesterday, amen. We gave away 50 backpacks. He had 200 books written by black and brown authors for black and brown children. Come on, y'all. Uh, Deacon at Paris, come on, her friend, and he brought us socks. We were able to give away socks. And so it was a successful day to bless the community. I thank God for Mother Gloria, who welcomed everybody that came to the gate. Our sunflower was on her job yesterday, yesterday, yesterday. Mother is not with us on today. She said her body just couldn't do it again because she had a long week. You know, she already had a long week. Uh, they laid her rest with her brother on Tuesday, and then she was with us on yesterday. So she deserves a break, don't she? Give her body a chance to recuperate from all the work. And so I thank her for that. Um, Elder. Pastor and Sister Danetta, uh, Deaconess, Sister Hart, uh, uh, McKimmons, um, Sister Tanya, calling uh, for manning the tables, making sure our guests were treated royally. Let me, let me, can I have a teachable moment? Mother Kimmins said, um, I'm going to act my age today. So let me tell you what she did. She invited two guests, but she told them they were coming to work. Come on now. That's a teachable moment. If you can't work, you better invite somebody that can work in your place. Amen. I, I thought about that at 5 o'clock this morning when the Lord woke me up. I said, why am I up, Jesus? But, but thank you to everyone. Yesterday was such a wonderful, wonderful, um, successful day. Do me a favor. Do you, if you have Facebook, get on your phone now and go to Greater St. Stephen's Missionary Baptist Church and follow it as your friend. Other many women have been posting stuff on there, and I don't see none of our faces liking nothing. <laughs> I want to welcome our guests that are on Blog Talk. Anybody that is on Blog Talk, this is your first time worshiping with us. 
We want to give you the opportunity to say good afternoon to us. If you are worshiping with us on Blog Talk for the first time and you would like to say hello, please press 1 on your phone and we can bring you on live. I also want to say if there's anyone calling out of the state of Oregon and you used to be a member of Greater St. Stephen's and you're on the line and you want to say happy anniversary, we want to give you that opportunity to say hello to us too. If you're on the line, press 1 and we will bring you on live. And while we're waiting on them to decide if they want to talk or not, we do have some first-time worshipers. Okay, we do have some first-time worshipers that are here with us this morning. Amen. And so it's our custom. Amen. Who's ready? Who's ready? Who's ready? Where my stuff at? Okay. No. Okay. It's 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 it's, it's customary what we do here. Is we greet you with love and then we share with you. I need two, honey. I need. I don't need the cards. Just the one card, one card, and then two. Yeah. All right. We want to give you the opportunity, Doctor Lee. You don't have to stand right now, but we want to give you the opportunity to stand and greet us if you would love to at this time. Amen. Amen. And I love you, and I'm glad to be in your presence this afternoon. 
to share with the 39th anniversary and my loving pastor's birthday. God bless you. Amen. God bless you.
her first time worshiping with us in the house. And so um, she's under the doctor's care from some things that they found out on Thursday. And she just called and she said, I just really wish I could have been there. So let's continue to keep Mother Mays lifted up in prayer. Amen. Um, I'm here to introduce our speaker. Um, it's been for following the introduction to be praise and worship, right? Amen. Just one, we just want one selection. I want, I, okay, so what I want for our one selection is grateful. I think you got it programmed. I am grateful for um, that fat, fat song. I'm going to sing fat, fat song this morning. Keep listening. Amen. Um, Dr. David Wheeler, born and raised in Louisville, Kentucky, married to Carol Ann Wheeler. Uh, his career is in mental health administration. He has two children, Claire, her husband James, and his son Micah. He is an artist and a musician, so y'all keep him in prayer, amen? Um, uh, they all live in Albuquerque, New Mexico. Uh, Dr. Wheeler uh, has a BA from Georgetown College. He has his Master's of Divinity from Yale University Divinity School. And um, he has a another degree. Which one is that? Doctor of Theology, all right, from the Graduate Theology Union from Berkeley, California. He pastored at Portello Baptist Church, San Francisco, First Baptist Church of Los Angeles, and First Baptist Church of Portland, Oregon. I want you all to know that for the past three years, every Saturday night, if I miss tonight, but every Saturday night, Dr. Wheeler and some more pastors are my prayer partners. He is a praying man. He is a man who believes in the word of God. And that's why I felt it was time for him to come and bless us on our church anniversary. Because we said that we want a revival. And when we read in the Bible that revival only comes when people have a hunger and thirst for the word. Revival don't come because you bring an evangelist in to preach. Revival comes when people get a hunger and thirst for the word. And so why not bring somebody in here that teaches the word to students that live in El Salvador, that live in Ecuador, that live in Mexico. He teaches y'all the word of God. And not just in English. He speaks their language. The word of God. So, so what other way could we get more excited about the word of God? With, with this gifted teacher. So we're going to sing this song. We're going to have our altar call. And then the next voice you will hear will be that of our speaker, Dr. David Wheeler. Amen. Stand to your feet with us, please. 
We want that word to be rooted and grounded in our heart and our mind, that we will not just be hearers of the word, but be doers of the word. And so we're gathering together. Elder told us it's one spirit, it's one mind, it's one heart. We're coming together this morning at one. Hallelujah. Oh, Father, we come to the altar to present ourselves as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto you, which is our reasonable service. Father, we give you our mind, we give you our heart today. Father, we have a desire to have more of your word, Father. We have a desire to be obedient to your word. We have a desire to trust and obey the word. We have a desire to be not as long as understanding. Oh, God, we want to honor you. So, Father, we pray today as we gather together at this altar, we come in the spirit of oneness. We come easily unified together as one body in Christ. Asking that you would touch our minds that we would understand that we will receive your word. We ask that you would let your word penetrate our hearts and minds. Let your word conform us, transform us, renew us, revive us, restore us, tear down, Build up, pull up, root up everything, Father, that's not like you. God, we bless you today. We thank you for your word that's coming forth. We ask, Lord, that we would allow your word to penetrate our hearts and minds. That as we prepare, Father, to hear, our faith is increased. Our healing is taking place. Deliverance is taking place. Restoration is taking place. As the priest's word comes forth. So let the words of our mouth and the meditation of our heart be acceptable in your sight. You are our strength and our redeemer. Now we clap our hands. Thank you, God, for the word. Come on, clap your hands on the Shout out to God with a voice of triumph. You may take your seat. Come on, come on, come on. God, we thank you, we thank you, we thank you. We thank you, we thank you, we thank you. We thank you, thank you, we thank you. Thank you, Well, I don't know about you. And there's a part of me that wants to say, 
Let's just uh, praise the Lord and song a little bit more and go on home. But uh, if I don't preach, then I would have come here under false pretenses. Uh, but uh, this message is going to be a little bit unusual this morning because we're going to do some time traveling. We're going to shuttle back and forth between the 21st century, right here in northeast Portland, and you know I only live a couple of miles from here. We're going to shuttle back and forth between the 21st century in the United States of America and the 5th century before Christ in the land of Persia. And if you don't know where Persia is or was, just think Iran. So we're going to do a little bit of time traveling this morning. And I want to start off by sharing one verse of scripture with you, and I'll give you a little background for it. That verse of scripture is the book of Esther, chapter 4, verse 14, and there's a man named Mordecai who is speaking. And Mordecai is a Jewish refugee a Jewish exile who's been living in Persia and he's done all right for himself. As far as we can tell, he's actually an official in the Persian bureaucracy. He's actually a person who hangs around sometimes in the palace. And in the book of Ezra, excuse me, Esther, pretty much the same time frame, by the way, as Ezra and Nehemiah. In the book of Esther, the king is called But history knows him as Xerxes I, who reigned for about 40 years in the 5th century of the pre-Christian epic. Now, it's an interesting thing, because if you know a little Bible history, the Babylonians, not the Persians, but the Babylonians had invaded Judah in the 6th century B.C. and they had carried off the king, they had carried off a lot of the leading people in Judah, they had turned down the temple the king Solomon had built in Jerusalem, and basically the nation of Israel and Judah as it had been for centuries ceased to exist. And actually, from the 6th century B.C. until 1948, when the modern nation of Israel was founded and a proportion of the world Jewish population went back to the Holy Land, for 2,600 years, Jews have been scattered all over the And Mordecai and his generation had already been exiled for over a century. Uh, they, they had not forgotten the Lord. Uh, they had not forgotten uh, the Hebrew scriptures or the Hebrew language, uh, but they had acculturated. I can guarantee you that Mordecai spoke the Persian, and they had followed uh, 
of Prophet Jeremiah who said during the time of exile, pray for the peace of the city where the Lord has taken you. Uh, help that city to flourish. Um, uh, start families. Uh, do business. Uh, so fields in the place where God takes you. And that's what uh, the generation of Mordecai had done. But now they were facing something that has happened over and over again across the centuries. Uh, they were facing a time of persecution, of Holocaust, and of possible extermination. We'll get into that a little bit more as we go through uh, this scripture passage. But it's something that's happened again and again. Now, we know the Holocaust perpetuated on European Jewry in the 20th century uh, during the time of what we call the Second World War. More times this generation were facing that kind of situation. Now, Mordecai had a younger cousin named Esther. Actually, her Jewish name was Hadassah. Uh, but uh, he also had a Persian named Esther, and uh, uh, she is an orphan, so her older cousin Mordecai had basically raised her up. And he worked a little bit, and uh, you know, we, we live in a world where there's still misogyny, male-female uh, discrimination, uh, but... Uh, 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 women have made progress in our generation. Is that right, Pastor Black? It's the very beginning, but I got started on Mordecai and Esther. I do want to uh, say thank you to Pastor Kimberly Black for this kind invitation. I want to say uh, thank you to the new executive pastor. Music director who was up here a while ago. Worship leader. It is an honor for me to be here. But anyway, there was a threatened Holocaust of the Jewish people in the time of Mordecai and Esther. And, and, and Mordecai, it was a time when uh, men ran everything. Uh, we, they may think we run everything today. Now we're going to more. Maybe we never told so. Uh, but uh, uh, men were charging. Women in general were somebody's father, somebody's wife, somebody's granddaughter. Uh, and that was their identity. And, and even Mordecai and Esther hadn't escaped that paradigm because Mordecai, to try and solidify the security situation for the Jewish folks, had managed to get Esther into the harem. And Esther was a new queen. And, and we'll go a little bit more into that story uh, uh, a little later. But uh, uh, nobody knew she was a Jew. Not even King Xerxes' her husband. There was a elimination of the Jews, and Mordecai went to Esther and he said, if you don't speak up, if you don't speak up, 
God, God will find a way to save God's people. But who knows? As in chapter 4, verse 14, if you were not now, 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 that's the 5th century B.C. Let's jump back into the 21st century A.D. Here at Baptist Church, you are celebrating, of course, I don't need to tell you. Because you told me. And even for those of us who qualify as elders, 39 is a lot of years. That's a long time. In fact, if you do a little math, it's 2% of the time from the advent of Jesus Christ until today. has been naming the name of Jesus, has been serving the people in the name of Jesus. Uh, that's something that's pretty amazing. Um, and I want to say, while I'm in the 21st century, that you, we, just like Ephesus have been called for that kind of this. We'll talk a little bit more about that later. Uh, but I just have to, you know, I go off on tangents all the time. So, so let me chase a rabbit here for a minute. Uh, this is not St. Stephen's Missionary Catholic Church, even though... Uh, uh, the Lord had things to go by Roman Catholics. This is not St. Stephen's Missionary Lutheran Church, although the Lord had things to go by the name of my best friend's former basketball uh, teammate is a retired Lutheran pastor, and he's understood his wants. But we are Baptists. And and I want to think about that with you for just a moment. Uh, I was uh, uh, recruited to write a book chapter about three years ago uh, by a uh, Nazarene friend of mine. He was putting together an anthology about how different kinds of Christians thought about holiness. That's a big term for uh of the Nazarene. It's a big term for the Church of God in Christ. It's a big term for the holiness movement. And you know, I had to think a while before we got to think about holiness. I did a little research, and I found out that it's really hard to say what well, they think about anything. According to the new book of the National Council of the Churches in the USA, in the United States and Canada, there are 33 different kinds of Baptists. I didn't know about it before I met this guy either. 
Um, there there are, are, uh, where, where I grew up in Kentucky, you go down and out of the countryside, and there's Baptist churches that have a sign out front that says, Independent Fundamental King James Only. If we think of ourselves as Baptist Christians, the, the uh, uh, Baptist scholar Walter Sheridan wrote a book about four fragile freedoms, and here's what they are. Total freedom. Nobody can tell you what to believe. Uh, you got to read the Bible and the power of the Spirit to be with your sisters and brothers and make them find yourself. You don't have no bishops, no popes. Uh, well, there are some Baptist ministers that call themselves bishops, so and so. I should say that. But you don't have bishops or popes or bishops to tell us what the bishops are doing. My sisters and my brothers, you need to go to the scriptures yourself. You need to pray. You need to.
our racial and ethnic identity forms our perspective on things. Our family situation forms our perspective on things. And even our elders folks that are still elders in our church are from what the sociologists call the builder generation. All right, folks that came back, uh, some of them from the Second World War or the Korean War, and they started building families, and they started uh, 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 looking to buy a home if they could and building careers. Uh, then they had a bunch of kids called the baby boomer generation. I'm, I'm part of that generation. Then the baby boomers got married or not. And another generation called the millennials. My kids are the millennial generation. And if you're too young to be a millennial generation, you're generation Z. And, and, and so uh, each generation brings its perspective. Uh, we don't uh, read the Bible in a vacuum. Uh, but in the power of the Spirit, in the relationship from the elders of the church to the children of the church who are all precious in God's sight, uh, we began to, to, to pray and plan and think about what we will do in such a time as this. Yes, yes, yes. You see, Mordecai and Esther have to finish that story for you, uh, but then I'm going to ask you to think with me about what God is calling us to do and to be in such a time as this, the year 2023 A.D., in Portland, Oregon, in the United States of America, in the world that has a and the floods are mounting and the heat domes are crashing in a world where racism, unfortunately, is alive and well. What is God calling us to do and be in such a time as this? So, I said we're going to do a little bit of time travel. Uh, Let's travel back uh, to uh, Esther Mordecai. Now, King Xerxes got displeased with his wife named Vashti because she wouldn't come and, and do a little fashion modeling for some of his friends. <laughs> so he just uh, divorced her. Uh-huh. And he didn't have to go through any lawyers to do it. world now try living in Persia in the fifth so he started looking for another one. And therefore, Esther herself was just as dependent upon male, uh, 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 male priority and male initiative. Cousin Mordecai, who had raised her, said, that, You know what? I think you'd make a good watch for that old king. And, and if you could get on the inside of the palace and make yeah. things better for all of us. If you read the book of Esther in the first uh, couple of chapters, I don't think she had any say in the matter. 
She just went where Mordecai told her. So we've got Xerxes, the king, and in those days, the king. Inside track for himself and his people in the Persian, uh, in the Persian regime. And then we've got a guy named Haman. Uh-huh. And Haman was a climber. Uh-huh. Uh, Haman was a go-getter. Haman was a politician. Haman was a guy that uh, had some power and wanted a whole lot more. Yeah. And the king said, I'm promoting you to be my chief of staff, and I'm telling uh, everybody in Susa, the royal city, the royal capital, that when they see you and your chariot coming, they all got to bow down. Mordecai is you and me. We were not going to bow down to any Persian bureaucrat. And so, Haman noticed that Mordecai refused to bow down when his entourage passed by. Uh-huh. <laughs> and he resolved in his mind not just to get rid of Mordecai, but to get rid of the Jewish people yeah. across the length and breadth right. yeah. of the Persian Empire. And I, as a white guy standing in this pulpit, uh, can't tell a predominantly African-American congregation anything about what it means to be identified with a persecuted people. Because many tragedies, one African-American person, we are perceived misstep has led to suffering for hundreds and thousands of people that halt of massacre comes to mind. I don't need to tell you anything about that. But that's the kind of situation that was about to unfold in Persia because of the jealousy and hatred of a man in hand. And that's the context Esther, his younger cousin, who he had raised, who he had taken care of, who he had engineered into this position, whether she wanted it or not, and said, Girl, you got help. You got to go talk to that husband of yours because there's something bad about to happen. And Esther said, Well, you know.
God will find a way to save God's people. But who knows if you weren't called in. Now, I don't know if you've ever lived anything as dramatic as what we're talking about now. I've been in some tensions. I've been in some places where I could have sunk or I could have swum. Swam, whatever the word is. <laughs> I don't know if I've ever said, well, actually, I was going to say, I don't know if I've ever been in a life of death. But you and I, whatever we do, family-wise, work-wise, church-wise, we, day by day, are put into situations where the decisions we make, where the values we espouse, where the testimony we give, or maybe don't give, will make a big, big difference for ourselves and maybe many others. Yeah. yeah, that's right. And that's what Mordecai told us to do. Now, remember, up to this point, it's been just sort of a, 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 a passive instrument of maybe Mordecai's ambition and, and, and the king's uh, uh, libido, whatever. Uh, but now, Says, take my ladies and ladies. We're going to go into prayer and fasting. And I know this church has just been through a season of prayer and fasting. As you celebrate your 39th anniversary, you begin to think, now what? Now where do we go? Now what do we do? Uh, Esther took her ladies and waiting and went into a prayer, a, a, a season of prayer and fasting. And if I survive, God would pray. Uh, and if I don't, I agree. And, 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 and what God give us, give you and I, um, uh, that uh, uh, that kind of situation, uh-huh. that kind of, that kind of faith. Yeah. Now, let's come back to the 21st century. The time we're living in, we are living in a time of resurgent racism that uh, many public leaders and political figures play a race card uh, to try and get ahead or to try and keep other people back. Here in uh, Greater Portland, we live in a time of, of gun violence and general violence that hasn't been seen for a long time. Uh, we know there's been a history of racism in, in Portland. Uh, we know that it's not just uh, violence against individuals, it's violence against neighborhoods. Yeah. Uh, the I-205 corridor, yeah. uh, the Emanuel Hospital, the Rose Quarter, a yeah. sit right smack in the middle of what used to be a black community. Come on here! Uh, and for four times uh, that period of years, but I know the history. Yeah. And, uh, Right here in Northeast Portland, uh, in North Portland, historic uh, black neighborhood, uh, the gentrification has pushed folk down. So we're living in a time of violence. We're living in a time of economic challenge. We're living in a time where sometimes uh, one working adult is 
uh, supporting a three or four generation. She is part of a four generation family. But sometimes we, when we live in situations where two and three and four working adults have to put their income together to keep one household going. So we're living in a time of, of, of racism. We're living in a time of violence. We're living in a time of economic challenge. Uh, we're living in a time of continuing. Uh, prejudice. Uh, we're living in a time of uh, uh, my good friend and my good friend, uh, Pastor Matt Hennessy, has told me that, uh, and he might be the best known African American clergyman, maybe the best known clergyman, period. Uh, and, and in Portland, he has told me if I got to go out to a family emergency at midnight and I have to cross the uh, uh, Portland city limit uh, into Wallace uh, or Hillsborough or somewhere like that. If, 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 if the speed limit sign says 30, I don't go 31. If the speed limit sign says 20, I don't go 21. Because even a famous and accomplished of God can be pulled aside for driving while black and driving Integrated a youth group. One of the most terrifying experiences he had in life is when he was with his African American friend Sean and his Latino friend Wilbur, who went by Boomer. Don't ask why. <laughs> so there's a white kid, a black kid, and a brown kid driving a suburban looking car late at night because Sean even though he was in high school, had to work a night shift to help his grandma keep the house afloat. And they got pulled over for nothing, thrown against the side of the car, spread eagle, and patted down. Uh, so uh, these are times in which we're living now. And what makes it even scarier is the church. Sunday in the Beachmont Baptist Church in Louisville, Kentucky. Uh, I preached to 600 people. Wow. And the other members of the youth group were hanging out the balcony. <laughs> and to be honest, some of them were making faces at that while I preached to me out. But when small churches, I passed to large churches. But I don't often speak to 600 people these days. Uh, I think the biggest crowd I've spoken to in Portland was a thousand nurses and their supporters who were threatening to cause strike from one of the health institutions here uh, in, in the area. Uh, but that church where I grew up, there's a little shiny group of 50 or something. But we know how that works. We know. Church. Uh, I heard that reflected in some of the testimony and some of the prayers here this morning. And it's easy to get discouraged. But let me tell you some things about today that aren't discouraging. God is still God. Yeah. Yeah. We worship the Father God. Yeah. That's the first word I 
but as part of the church, we are one of the few places in this society where the generations can connect. All right, that's right. You go down to the club, and it's all kids, or it's all everybody in a racially polarized society. The church is one of the few places where races and ethnic groups can come together. I've been privileged to serve churches where black and white and Latino and Asian uh, were all together in the same church. We were at the first Baptist church of uh, Los Angeles. We had a gospel group where the leader was an African-American high school teacher. Uh, his cousin was a pianist, and the other members of the group were a Filipino lady, a Latina lady, a Korean, a, a, a Korean lady, a Filipino lady, and a lady from Nigeria. And that was the gospel group, the gospel court. Uh, the church is one of the key places in our society. And uh, to speak about what we have to offer because people need to belong to something that's bigger than themselves. Yeah. Yeah. And that's what the church is. Yeah. We serve the creator and redeemer of all reality. Uh, we are part of a, a community that's bigger than Portland, bigger than the USA. Yeah. It, 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 it encompasses in God's sake and purpose the whole human race.
story. Three on my left, and I'm going to make it a little better. Uh-huh. Here's the first point. After one... And Esther marched right in on the king. And he didn't say, I'll put their head. He said, Esther, how delightful to see you. Come on in. Where have you been? Uh-huh. <laughs> yes. Esther didn't say, well... You tell me where I'll be in the end of the body here. That was the first point. Esther had courage. And her courage was grounded in prayer, it was grounded in safety, it was grounded in God. Even though, by the way, and, and if you don't believe this, you can yeah, try it out for yourself. Uh, the word God does not appear in the book. That's right. That's right. And, and so when the Jews after the exile, uh, translated the Hebrew Bible into Greek. They expanded Esther a little bit and put God in there a few times. Believe in God. She did trust God. She had courage. Second thing that happened is she had a couple of banquets with the king. She said, King, I haven't seen you in a long time. Can we, can we have dinner together tonight? The king said, Sure. And can you invite your good friend Haman? She invited the enemy. The enemy. Oh, that's not that's a, uh, a shrewd person, I guess you would say. And uh, then uh, something interesting happened. See, uh, Haman was so annoyed, and I. I mentioned this before that Mordecai the Jew wouldn't bow down to him, that he was getting ready to ask the king to kill all the Jews. Yes. But in the meantime, uh, Mordecai and Esther had made sure when there had been an assassination plot on the king's life, Mordecai had warned him. And he had saved the king's life. How about that? Yes. Yes. So. Uh, Haman uh, heard a question. The king was, was so grateful to Mordecai, he had just remembered the thing that happened. He said, uh, What should I do to the person I want to honor? And Mordecai said, Well, and, and Haman said, Well, who does the king want, want to honor more than me? So why don't you dress this fellow, whoever it is, in your royal robes? Uh, putting in your own royal chariot, uh, marching through town, and with the company by the royal So the king said, that's exactly what I'll do. And Lord Tame thought it was going to be done for him. <laughs> but the next day outside the palace, who should come in the king's robe and the king's chariot with the king's honor guard before the daughter? <laughs> Man was he upset. <laughs> Man was all Haman upset. But he uh, he took a little consolation because after the queen said uh, to the king, my dear, that banquet was so much fun. Let's do it again. <laughs> and let's invite your friend, your counselor, Haman again. And the second dinner, Esther said, I'm troubled 
their king. Because some And who in the world can that be? If I find out, I'll do them in. Oh. And she turned and looked at that villain named Haman and said, He is the one. And in a step of poetic justice, Haman ended up getting hanged from a gallows and he had actually intended to work on so, uh, so uh, that's all that uh, she uh, needed to do in, in order to right the situation. And then the third thing that happened is the king published a decree throughout his kingdom saying, uh, any of you people try to uh, kill the Jews, because that's what Mordecai wanted, or rather Haman tried to do, so those are the three things that happened, and that's all good. But the fourth thing that happened makes me feel a little—I don't know—I just can't totally get on board with this. Uh, the Jewish people created a great slaughter, taking revenge upon those who in their And let's be honest. Do we want revenge on those racists? We want revenge on those unfair bosses. We want revenge on those folks who broke up our family, who abused our children, or, 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 or mistreated our grandchildren. Come on here. And the Lord Jesus said, love your enemies. The Lord is telling us not that we have to be best friends with those who've done us wrong, but we have to be right by them. We have to try to find it in our hearts to forgive them. And we have to remember what the scripture says vengeance is mine. In that church where I grew up, uh, there used to be a joke with a trap door behind the pulpit, and uh, the chair of the deacon said, pulpit, the preacher went out too long. Hope I can watch this. I got a question for you. This is next to the last thing I'm going to say. What do you do your What do you do your With your career, with your family, your loved ones, those that have created you right, and maybe those that have What do you need your story living in this neighborhood that is under a lot of pressure? And if you don't live in the neighborhood, well, at least you live close enough that it showed up here this morning. Yeah. What's the end of your story? Yeah. What's the end of my story? Yeah. And it doesn't stop. When you get to don't stop when you get to retirement age. Right. Some of folks who do the most good for the Lord are those young and energetic retirees. Yeah. <laughs> Not no more time yeah. to invest in the Lord's work than they did when they were younger. But I want to ask you, and this is my last thing. 
You ever heard of a man named James Bach? Anybody know that name? Popular a few years ago called The Butler? Yeah. Anybody see that? So the movie called The Butler was based on a true life story of an African American man who was the head butler in the White House with five presidents. Uh huh. And his son thought dad was a hopeless uncle Tom. Uh-huh. Working in the White House with white presidents uh-huh. before the rock bombers. And going to school in Atlanta and got radicalized. And then he met a girl, a young woman. And the young woman said, I want to invite you to come with me to Reverend Lawson's love in. Well, the son was a little suspicious. And when I was sitting with my wife, Carol, in that movie theater, I, I began to weep. Because I know the story. Because I know James Lawson. Uh, he had gone to Atlanta as a young man to go to Emory University. Uh, uh, they were recruiting uh, this progressive. Hey, black students, because it burnished their image. And then James Lawson started leading sit ins in lunch. He started engaging in civil disobedience, and they expelled him from the university. Well, uh, he didn't spend too much time weeping over that. He went to India, and he sat at the feet of Gandhi. And he came back to the United States and he turned it into a philosophy of nonviolent civil disobedience. And in fact, some folks say he's the first one who taught King uh, the philosophy of nonviolent civil disobedience. Now we know that Dr. King was tragically assassinated. If he were alive today, he'd be 94 going on 95. James Lawson will be 95 in September. And he's still in Los Angeles. If you read any of the headlines, uh, we all know about the, the, the strike that's going on with the writers and the actors, but there's another strike that's not getting too much headlines. It's the hotel world. It's the black and brown folk who make the beds and cook the meals and drive the shutters, shows and haul the luggage for a luxury hotel in Los Angeles. And James Lawson at 94, going on 95, is teaching those hotel workers and their supporters non-violent resistance in the cause of justice and in the name of Jesus. All right, all right, all right. As the inside way, I ordained the United Methodist. He was pastor of the Holy United Methodist Church in Los Angeles for 35 years. He just retired when I went there, but I met him in a non-violent, resistant, civil disobedience training. And uh, when 3,000 of us 
track down is Century Boulevard, the block is in the egress from Los Angeles International Airport. James Lock and Todd Now, that was 20 years ago. And now they're needing to do it again. And at the age of 94, going on 95, James Lawson is still there showing folks how they can stand up to principle to seek justice and be nonviolent in the nation. Yeah. 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 Remember, you, you only, you didn't decide when you were going to go over. 